Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. And today, we have a special episode. We have a special episode that first aired on our Fathering Together Facebook page called Dads Listen Up, Women Reflect on Their Father's Impact on Their Professional Success. We talk a lot about what we can do as fathers to be able to support our daughters, to help them to be self-reliant, to help them to be successful in their lives. But in this conversation, we are talking to successful women about what the fathers in their lives did or didn't do to be able to support them in their career aspirations. This is an important conversation to listen to. All of us in our own ways are looking to impact our daughters in different ways, but through listening to women who have gone through this experience, we all can learn and be able to make changes in our own lives so that our daughters grow up to be successful in the future. I hope you truly enjoy this conversation and you learn a ton from it. This is one of a few different webinars that we will be having in the month of August, but every month we tend to have a number of different webinars that are going to encourage you to learn and grow as a father. So I highly encourage you to like and follow the Fathering Together Facebook page to watch for these webinars. And if you can't watch them live, watch them later as well. Welcome everyone to another panel by Fathering Together. My name is Brian Anderson, co-founder and executive director. And tonight I'm very excited to do our first of three panels that we're calling Dads Listen Up, where we talk to women leaders in different fields to talk about the impacts that the relationships they have with their fathers and father figures have in in their careers and their personal life and in their in their goals and i'm going to leave you in the capable hands of one of our board members our vice president actually emily rachel williams she is a senior leader a senior woman leader rather at a global organization and does a lot of great work for raising awareness and building racial equality across multiple sectors so with that i will i will hide and leave you all in the capable hands of emily and our guests thank you all Hey, thank you, Brian. Um, Good evening. My name is Emily Williams. I am the Vice President um, of Fathering Together's Board of Directors. I have a background in gender equality and racial justice. I increase organizations' capacity to leverage their missions for social justice um, through global programs and leadership development. I'm a daughter who was raised primarily by a dad, so Fathering Together's mission is very important to me. I'm very excited to be here um, tonight with our accomplished panelists. This is the first panel in a series of three discussions. Tonight, we're focused on how dads can influence daughters' professional success. So before we get started, um, I will briefly introduce our panelists. We have Verda Colvin. She is an appellate court judge for the state of Georgia. Hi, Verda. Hi. Thank you, Emily. Mm -hmm. We have Linda Brennan. She is a certified business coach. Hi, Linda. How are you? Good evening, Emily. Hi, everybody. 
And we have Christy Kovac. She is president and CEO of Sheridan Construction. Good evening. And we have Amy Maley, a wealth management advisor and vice president at Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. Hello, everybody. Great. So you all are high-powered, professionally successful women. We know that so many dads want that for their daughters. So we're really looking forward to hearing from you all about how your dads have shaped your professional success. So um, one of the things that I think is really special about um, Fathering Together's mission is that it brings together dads and father figures from all walks of life um, to bond over being fathers and in a community where growth and learning are promoted. So the first question is, how would you describe your father and what kind of dad was he? And we know that, um, you know, so many, um, you know, that not only biological dads can play the role of father or can have a fathering influence on the lives of, of daughters. So we include father figures in that definition. Christy, would it be okay if we started with you? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to talk about my grandfather, my mother's dad. Um, my dad is, was in my life and still is. And um, he was just a hardworking man and did the best he could to raise us. Um, we're closer now than we were when I was growing up. Um, he tells me he's proud of me and that my mother would be too if she were still here with us. So that's a nice, encouraging um, word. But my grandfather was really my hero and, and influence. And I think where I am today, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and grandfather. And um, he was a caring person, but firm, had high expectations. If I didn't want to go to school, I had to go report to him and tell him why I wasn't going to school and it had to be a good reason. Um, so that was just kind of the, you know, the, the man he was. Um, mm -hmm. Great. And I know that I can relate to, um, you know, having a father who had very high expectations, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So thank you for that, Christy. Thank you. Um, Linda, how about we go to you next? Sure. Um, my dad, uh, it, it might be sufficient to say he was a sergeant in the Marine Corps. <laughs> so that might give you some insight into his parenting style. Um, he, he grew up in a very, very difficult family and really didn't have any kind of role model by which to parent. So um, I think he meant well, but he was pretty verbally abusive beyond the point of having high expectations. And, um, you know, that was hurtful growing up, but it helped me to achieve what I have achieved. So it's kind of a mixed blessing that I know he loved me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you for that. And thank you for being vulnerable in that way. Appreciate that. Um, okay, and then Berta, how about we go to you next? My dad was um, the life of the party, talkative, vivacious, um, never met a stranger, was a friend to everyone, and very philosophical um, and spiritual. And as a result, he and I would have these deep conversations that most kids at eight or nine are not having, um, but that's who he is. But in addition to being that way, he was very... Um, meticulous about wanting what he wanted me to do. 
And um, that made me nervous. It was only later in my life that I understood why he was so, he was this, a man of mixed bags. And I found out when I was an adult that he suffered with bipolar, um, but he never voiced it, never told anyone. And I didn't find out until I was um, 24, 25 after graduating from law school. Um, and so I guess that's why he had a whole range of um, personality traits, but many of those traits he passed off to me, um, not the diagnosis, but just this personality that's big and, and engaging. And so that's helped me become who I am. And then Amy, how about we um, go to you? There's some similarities. Um, had very high expectations for all four of us children, very much a type A, the family leader, very traditional role in the family. Um, each of us children experienced my father in different ways. And I only really learned that as an adult because I felt both his love and his discipline and his rules. And my younger sister, I learned, only felt the rules and the constant requirements, you know, to do chores and things. And she never felt quite the um, closeness to my father that I felt. Um, he also as Verda's father was the life of the party, big personality, but um, at the same time, very goal oriented person. Yeah. So I'm definitely hearing some overlap here, high expectations, perhaps some, um, you know, along with those high expectations, maybe an expectation of, um, you know, a very disciplined approach um, to parenting and also um, and maybe in the way that you were raised. Um, and, you know, I, I also want to note, um, Linda, that you had said that, um, you know, perhaps your father didn't have a role model for fathering. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that that's something that a lot of dads struggle with, right? Like, you know, where is, you know, if they themselves didn't have a great father, then where are they getting the model from, right, for their fathering? Um, and Verda, you know, hearing about your father and mental illness, I mean, I think, you know, definitely as a culture, um, you know, we don't necessarily deal with mental illness very well, right? And we don't talk about it a lot. Um, and so, you know, um, I can imagine not only that that would have been challenging as a father to, you know, talk to, you know, his family about, but also, you know, being a child and not necessarily understanding, you know, all of the fluctuations in behavior, right, or all of the changes. Um, and so, you know, I think this, like, also speaks to the complexity of being a parent, right, um, and then also being a child, right? Um, so, so I appreciate um, you all sharing a little bit of information about your dad with us um, and what kind of father um, and then also grandfather he was. So, so thank you for that. Um, so, um, you know, much research shows that fathers who are emotionally invested, active in the lives of their daughters, um, and not only fathers, but, um, you know, biological dads, but also father figures, um, have an immense impact, right? And, and furthermore, that daughters who have strong relationships with their dads or their father figures as children, you know, not only do they um, get better grades in school, are they more emotionally resilient? Um, they also make more money among other things. So 
Um, I would like it if you all would tell us just a little bit more about your career paths and then also how your father has influenced who you are today. Okay. You want me to go? Yeah, that would be great, Linda. Okay. I'll jump in. So I am actually on my third career and I owe a lot of it to my dad's brand of encouragement. I started in the corporate world working in engineering and management positions for four different Fortune 100 companies. And um, even though he and my mom had very traditional roles, he encouraged me to, to be a feminist and to stand up for myself. And so I went back to school after my MBA to get a PhD in industrial engineering um, because I was having a hard time uh, getting past that glass ceiling in the corporate world and ended up being a college professor for two dozen years. Um, once I had raised my family, um, I decided to hang up my shingle and now I'm in business for myself as a executive coach and trainer. And I remember very distinctly, I was in ninth grade. Sorry, my cat decided to be in the zoom. Um, I, I, was in ninth grade and I had a, um, done poorly on a math test and the teacher wanted me to drop out of honors math. And my dad gave me the proverbial kick in the butt. And he said, you, you are going to make this work. You're not going into a lower math class. And it, you know, it turns out industrial engineering is basically applied math. And if my dad hadn't pushed me like that, I don't know what my career trajectory would have been. So it's funny how those little moments can have such a profound impact on your life. Thank you for that. And I love how you said um, that your father encouraged you to be a feminist, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that so Don't be a nurse, be a doctor, you know, whatever. It just, it was funny because, you know, my mom had a very traditional role, but he saw something different for me. And that's great, right? And that and that's another piece of research too that shows that what's most influential is the relationship between the father and the daughter. Um, and so we see that in in the story that you're sharing. Um, and then also too, you know, it was like you said your father encouraged you to be a feminist, and then shortly thereafter, you said that you know you were hitting a glass ceiling in the corporate world, and then you made a different career decision, right? And so I think that that, um, that influence is important for daughters to also understand, um, you know, the kinds of external pressures um, around being a woman, right? That they can identify those things as opposed to internalizing them, right? Like you were able to say, this was a glass ceiling, right? Not that there was something wrong with you because you weren't promoting, right? right. So that's another really important role. Um, and it sounds like your dad played and, and, and also, um, you know, I know that I can relate to that as well. You know, my father would always say to me, Emily, be independent, make sure that you take care of yourself, right? Like always be able to like pay your own way, always be able to, you know, be strong in your career, all of these things. And, and I know that that for me has been very important as I have encountered both sexism and racism, um, to just know that that's not something that's, you know, wrong about me, but that's something about the external world, which I can navigate. Right. So, so that's important. 
Um, and thank you for that, Linda. And welcome to your cat who has joined us. <laughs> Eclipse. Eclipse. Hello, Eclipse. <laughs> okay, so um, let's see. Verda, would you like to go next to tell us okay. about your career path and how your father has influenced who you are today? You know, as, as you were talking after I spoke last time, I had to stop the tears. Um, my dad and I had this incredible relationship even though now I can understand it in hindsight, the struggle with the mental health illness. Um, My dad had this philosophy that I was an Andrews, that's my maiden name, and Andrews don't fail. And we can do anything we put our mind to. And it was great in that it empowered me because I, he told me I was special because I was an Andrews, but it also did something to my psyche about whether I was good enough separate and apart from being an Andrews. And so you know, I constantly grew up with those kind of struggles. And maybe some of that was because of the mental health illness. He didn't realize that I needed to know that I was special in and of myself. But because he gave me that strong constitution of my self-worth, I just never doubted myself when I was doing something. If I decided to do it between he and my mom, they had this mantra, if you decide to do something, you can do it because there's nobody better than you and you can do whatever you set your mind to. And so he would just... I mean, he just, that was just his philosophy. That was the way you looked at life and that's how you did life. And so if I did well, of course you were going to do well. You're an Andrews. We're, we're good folks. We do everything well. And so he just gave me this sense of empowerment. So I never had, I never felt like I had to make excuses for being a woman or African-American. And so when people would ask me questions like that, you know, I was just kind of perplexed because those aspects of my being didn't define who I could be or what I could be. And so he gave, he empowered me to that extent. And I owe every, I owe a lot of what I've done. And I will give both him and my mom half credit to even in the madness, him empowering me like that. That's so great to hear. Um, and also, I mean, you can see how, you know, he kind of instilled, um, you know, it's like also the high expectations there of, nope, if you do something, you do it well right? If you decide to do it, it will be done, right? And, and normalizing that, um, that expectation and high performance um, for you. And Verda, will you tell us just a little bit more about um, your career path and, and how you came to be an appellate court judge? Well, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer when I was six because I wanted to save the world. So my two biggest heroes at that time were, and I feel bad that I don't save my parents, but it is what it is, um, Martin Luther King Jr. and Jesus Christ. Because I thought, I went to a private religious school when I was young, and I thought, how cool is it that you care so much about others that you're, you don't matter, like you put yourself second. And I just thought that is the ultimate, you know, being to 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 care about people that much. And so I wanted to try to do my own part to kind of save the world or to do something um, that mattered in my mind because I had always cared about justice and being fair. And so I went to law school, got out of law school, worked for a firm that I thought would be, you know, was utopia, but found out it's about the money. Um, And so then I started a path of doing what I do well, which is trial work. And I started off in prosecution. Didn't think I'd ever work for the man. Um, But I came to find out that as a result of being in that role, I determined who was prosecuted. I determined what sentence they received or at least the recommendation. And so I found that empowering. And so I just kept on that journey, went to a solicitor's office, a DA's office, then the um, federal um, U.S. attorney's office. And so from there, 
Um, my boss came to me and told me he thought Macon, Georgia was ready for an African-American female judge. They had never, it was 2014, we had never had an African-American female judge on the bench for Superior Court. And so he thought I was a good candidate. And so I applied and the governor at that time appointed me. Um, and I served there for six years. And then it was a Republican governor who appointed me initially for the Superior Court. And then our next Republican governor appointed me for the appellate bench. So it was the first time a Republican governor had ever appointed an African-American female to the bench. Um, and so that's where I am. And my whole mantra has been about, you know, seeing people and not just processing people and being my best to follow the law, but also be instructive about who or what we should be as a judicial body and, you know, making determinations that affect people's lives, whether that's civilly or criminally. Wow. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing that story, Berta. Um, and, you know, how brave um, to be the first, right? Um, that's, that's not always easy. Um, and I, I really like that mantra of yours, you know, see people first, right? Don't only process them. I think that that's really powerful. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, okay, Amy, let's go to you. So, okay, so I think some of the ways my dad influenced me were overt and some of them were just by example. So uh, as he set an example by working hard and he worked hard at his office. He was a dentist and he worked hard at home. He always kept a meticulous yard. And then when we moved to the farm, we had a half acre vegetable garden and we were expected to work on that with him. And so he set a really good example for me that way. And so that was kind of, that's kind of a big picture item. But then some of the detail things that he taught me like he was big into posture, you know, having good posture. And he just thought that that gave you such a sense of confidence and made you look confident, even when you, some days you just don't feel <laughs> confident. And so it was big things and it was little things. Um, but he also told me, and Verda, I think we lived in parallel universes because he, he was very big. Our last name was Heil. And he was very big on, you know, Hiles are successful. And so that was a mantra. And now I'm sitting here thinking, ooh, I need to tell my boys that. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, he, taught, he taught me things explicitly that he wanted me to know. And, and like, so I worked for him for three summers in the dentist office chairside. And he taught me then your job is to be one step ahead of the dentist and know, anticipate what implement he needs next, what formula he needs next. And I took that with me beyond his office, which is always be one step ahead of your boss, or sometimes that's always be one step ahead of your client. I think nowadays we'd say be proactive maybe. And um, so he taught me that and he was always a planner he was always sitting in his chair in the living room, planning up big schemes for his life. He always knew what was what he was going to do next. He, he bought a farm. He bought a second farm. We never saw this coming. We moved from the upper class suburbs to the farm. Ah, um, but he was always a planner. And now I find that for my family, I'm the planner. I'm the one. I've saved for retirement since I was 22. I guess I didn't just fall into financial advisory work. Um, and he always taught me about, um, you know, planning and saving. And in fact, I started off in accounting because my dad would bring his 
um, client payments, the checks home and have me write out the deposit. And he just said, you know, when it was time to go to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really wasn't ready to go to college. I just wanted to hang out with my high school boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And he said, study accounting. You'll be good at it. You'll always have a job. And he was right. Those are my big takeaways about high expectations uh, and uh, his example, leading by example. And maybe your father was one step ahead of you in assigning you that task to, you know, write down all the checks and then here it is, you're at college and what am I going to study? And your dad already has something ready for you, right? You know, a suggestion. Yep. I don't doubt it, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's great, Amy. Um, And can you um, just share just a little bit more about your career path with us? Okay. So um, I did graduate with a degree in accounting. I worked in a retail setting for a division of Macy's as an auditor. Um, I worked for 17 years in the newspaper industry in three different locations for a, a national chain of newspapers. And when we began to run um, scenarios projecting, well, what if 50% of our advertising went to the internet, this light bulb went off and I said, I need to find something else to do. And I'll mention a book, Linda's the book lady, but um, mm-hmm. I'll mention a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? Because I didn't think I wanted to stay in accounting. I see you nodding, but I, I really wanted to make a thoughtful choice for what to do next. And I actually stuck with it and had the discipline to go all the way through the book and all the checklists. And it said, you'll either be a um, financial advisor or you'll be a real estate agent. And um, so here I am a financial advisor. I started with a small firm for four years and I've been with Merrill Lynch for 15 now. And um, so about 20 years in the business. Yeah, Amy, thank you for sharing that. That's a really um, impressive career path. Um, And, you know, I can relate. um, I'm so happy that you mentioned What Color Is Your Parachute? Because that's a book that I swear by. Um, And and I actually, I started off working um, in higher ed. Um, And so when I was working with students who are at that point of, you know, looking for jobs and trying to figure out what they're going to do next, that's a book that I always recommend. Um, So, so yes. Um, Okay. And Christy, so can we hear from you? Yes, yes. Emily, like your dad told you, my granddad told me the exact same thing. I want you to be independent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't grow up and and be able to take care of yourself and not depend on someone else to do it. So that's my mantra. Um, And my career path was, again, spawned by my grandfather. I remember being in his living room one day when I was in high school, and he said, you need to be an engineer. They make good money. And I said, what is an engineer? Don't, don't they drive trains? That's the only kind of engineer I knew. <laughs> I researched and found out exactly what he was talking about. Um, I only applied to one college, which was the technical college here in Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Um, I didn't know that you were supposed to, we, we didn't have a college of family, um, uh, a family of college graduates. So I really didn't have much help. I didn't realize you were supposed to apply to several colleges to have options so I was very lucky and, <laughs> and was accepted because I don't know what plan B would have been. Um, but I actually, instead of going into engineering, went to engineering school, but thought I wanted to be an architect. Um, 
so I could design my own house. So I started in architecture and realized real quickly that was too practical. Didn't have the the design side that you need to have uh, for that trade. So the school of building construction was uh, or building construction major was in the school of architecture. And someone said, you need to check this out. And I did and fell in love with it. Um, again, mostly male dominated um, industry there. I think there were, there were three females in classes back then, um, but uh, graduated with a construction management degree and left Georgia to go work um, for a large international company in Texas for two years and then came back home and uh, I started my career in estimating. So numbers like Amy and probably like Linda Love. <laughs> um, so estimating uh, project construction costs and grew from that to, to head a pre-construction or estimating department and then moved into the executive vice president and then currently president. Been doing that for about four years now. Wow, great. Thanks for sharing that, Amy. Um, and how brave to, you know, go into a field that's male dominated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, um, that's, you know, that's commendable. Um, and, you know, I can see how, you know, um, in your story, how your grandfather's, um, you know, encouraging you to be independent also led to you taking initiative, right? Um, you know, researching what is engineering, applying to school um, and then, you know, making your career shifts. And, and even, you know, I think sometimes it's underestimated what it means to move away from home. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so even, you know, moving from, you know, where you were born in Georgia to Texas, you know, for a few years even is that's, that takes bravery too. Right. And, and also probably a lot of self-reflection because we learn and grow when we live in, in um, new places. Yes. And I'll add real quickly, I never wanted to disappoint my grandfather. So even after moving to Texas, I've you know got a degree, I've got a career. I wanted to come back home, but I needed a reason. I couldn't just say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to come back home. So I said, I want to get my master's and I'll do it at Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Like just that parallel to school, right? Like you couldn't just not go to school. You had to go to your grandfather with a really good reason why you didn't want to go to school, right? I can see how that's very similar to, okay, I want to come home, right. not because I want to, but because I have this whole plan in place. That's right, yes. Wow, so thank you for sharing those stories. Um, and you know, it's really clear how, um, you know, even if not totally perfect, you know, your fathers and your grandfather um, have really shaped, um, you know, who you all are today, and then also the, the professional success that you've that you've had. Um, and at the same time, you know, we know that no parent is perfect, um, and dads may not always have the support they need. Um, so is there anything um, your father didn't do that you wish he had? Um, you know, what do you what do you wish your father had said um, to you? So um, if it's okay, Amy, could we start with you? Yeah, the, the thing that I could think of, and um, I really didn't, somebody else observed this about me and said it to me, and I sort of had an aha moment, but my father was so sure of himself and um, so able to give people advice and 
tell them what he thought they should do, for example, go into accounting, that I think that I skipped that whole stage of learning how to make decisions for myself. And so I, I let other people make decisions for me. And um, as an adult, I think I ruminate more on decisions. Um, and I don't, I, it's not that I'm wishy-washy, but I can see both sides of everything. And so it will take me a long time to make a decision. And that really was the only thing that I could think of that maybe he didn't um, equip me to do or my, neither of my parents, you know, really taught. Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, is there anything that you wish your father had told you that he didn't? Um, you know, nothing came to mind as I was thinking about that. But I suspect that as y'all have your input, I'll be sitting here nodding my head. Um, no, he, he, he gave a lot of advice about, you know, being successful and uh, working hard. But um, I can't think of anything that he, he's been gone since 1988. So I've now been alive longer without him than I was with him. So I, and I really looking back, can't think of anything that I wish he had told me, given me, you know, done for me necessarily. So. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Thank you for, um, for sharing that. And um, okay. So Verda, could we go to you next? Yeah. Um, I wish my father would have shared with me his mental health diagnosis. Um, some of the insecurities that I've had about um, feeling attractive as a female was a result of him not being able to. Um, he told me how strong I was, but he never did the, the father girl thing. And I'd like for fathers to remember that. So he never told me I was pretty. I think the first time he said something about I might be attractive was when I was in law school, my third year, um, doing a mock trial. He came to UGA to see me and he said, you know what? You're kind of attractive, you know, and it, <laughs> so he, he didn't give me that affirmation that girls to get from their fathers. And I, I needed that. And so sometimes uh, as close as we were, sometimes our relationship was kind of particularly as I got older, like in law school, it was kind of tense because I was realizing what I didn't get. And although he was there for me in some ways, I was struggling with that. And so had he shared the diagnosis, I could have understood going through it, why those things happen, um, what I was feeling. Um, and now having to kind of go back through my life in retrospect to kind of understand what was happening, it's okay. But I think how much deeper our relationship could have been as adults. Um, had he done that, because with mental health illness, as it as it lingers on, it becomes more pervasive, particularly when you don't own it. And my dad never really owned his diagnosis. So he was constantly um, going in and out of mania, which I didn't know until afterwards and pieced it together with the doctors. And so when I was 14, it's kind of like he fell off the, the map. I went to see him once when he moved to Charlotte. Um, and after that, um, it just became distant. And that's a part of your life when you really need your dad. My parents divorced when I was six. He was Johnny on the spot every other weekend, picked me up religiously. We went camping. But I understand that was because he was trying to deal with the mental health without the medication. So the thought was, well, let me go to relaxed settings and then it'll be OK. Um, and so sometimes when 
and I'm so different with my kids. Sometimes adults think that children should be kept away from some issues, but what they don't understand is when the issue is so pervasive, is it ends up affecting the child. And so it's taken a lot of my adult years to just get past that. Because I used to say, well, it doesn't matter if I'm not pretty, I can be smart enough, I can work hard enough. But that's never enough to get past that stuff that you miss. And so that's what I wish I could tell my dad. I wish he would have shared that with me. And my dad's mental health was the cause of his death. So he died before, right before, when I was going through the process of being appointed to the Superior Court, that's when he was dying. I was actually on the phone with people from the governor's office as I was cleaning out his house because he died inside his house because he never really fully owned his mental health diagnosis. And for me, that is why even now, he died in 2013, I could cry, you know, tears came to my eyes because so much we miss because he didn't share. And kids are resilient. They can, they can take some things and it helps their world. So dads, please be willing to share with your daughters. Don't let them go through years of thinking maybe they weren't quite good enough because they didn't know something that would have explained everything. Amen. Yeah, Amen. thanks for sharing that, Berta. Um, and you know, to your point, kids are resilient and the more information they have about their environments and the people around them, the better able they are to cope, right? Um, and, and kids can be very savvy in that way. And, and also very accepting and very compassionate, right? And, th and that's a beautiful thing. Um, and I can also totally relate with you, Berta. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, in my family, it was kind of this notion that like my father always instilled in us, make sure that you're humble, right? Humility is very important. You know, we were all, you know, pretty exceptional athletes, for example. And it was never acceptable for us to brag ever, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and part of that also was that he didn't um, necessarily tell us how great we were, right? And so we didn't know that. And one of the things that um, actually I've just been home um, for the last several weeks and uh, my sister and I were together with my grandmother and my father had said, um, to me, he said, you and your sister just looked so beautiful sitting there this afternoon. And it just meant so much to me because, you know, I don't know that my father ever said that so plainly and straightforwardly until this time in my adult life. And so I can really relate to, to um, what it feels like to not hear that. Um, and then to have to kind of do that guesswork as a girl, as a young woman, as an adult woman, right? Until we do our own healing and then internalize and know, oh yeah, absolutely we are beautiful, right? But it does, it makes such a difference for girls and daughters to hear that from their dads. And you know, when I really think about it, um, you know, I think that probably like, for whatever reason, that was not easy for my dad to say, right? And I'm sure that I, I would imagine a lot of dads can relate to that. Um, and so, you know, I would add that to the advice of like, definitely tell your daughters that they're beautiful inside and out. That's really yep. important. Beautiful, smart, mm -hmm. able. Mm -hmm. They need those words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. And Christy, could we go to you next? Sure. Um, I think what I missed is um, having someone not say, don't be so tough on yourself. 
um, give yourself a break. Linda says a lot, Be com give yourself compassion. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing that I look back and reflect and wish I would have done more of. Um, mm -hmm. I'm doing that more now, but I could have used more of that earlier. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point, Linda. I'm sorry, Christy, that's a really good point. Um, and because, you know, the other thing is that, yes, we need the positive affirmation. You're smart. You're beautiful. Right. You're super capable. Also, you can be a little hard on yourself. Right. It's OK to ease up, you know, or maybe you're being a little bit judgmental, like having those truths are also really important to hear as well. Right. Because, you know, so much of um important and healthy relationships is that they can be a mirror for us, right? So we can see ourselves um, in how another person relates to us and especially our dads, right? So, so hearing both sides is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Christy. Okay. Linda, um, would you like to share with us? I would. I uh, am going to offer a slightly different perspective and say, I wish my dad had told me about the importance of building friendly relationships with the people that you're in school with and you work with. Um, it's only just at this point in my career that I'm really understanding the power of networking. And I don't mean you know, going to a cocktail party and glad handing people, but the idea of um, establishing cordial relationships with people, even if you're not best friends with them, and just staying in touch and being genuinely interested in what's going on in other people's lives. And that give and take that makes life worth, worthwhile and uh, that makes, makes you successful in business. Uh, it, all, all businesses is personal, right? It's all relational. And my dad didn't work that way and he didn't encourage that. He was always very suspicious of other people. And um, I, I think as a result, I kept people at arm's length for a really long time, except for some close friends, but you know, could have accomplished that much more. Maybe I would have gotten past that glass ceiling if I had be done a better job of building my professional network. So um, it's not about being the most popular person. You know, I, I, I wouldn't tell dads to encourage their daughters to be popular necessarily, but to invest in relationships um, and be curious about other people, I, I think would have been really helpful. Great, great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I can relate to also, and perhaps slightly differently, but just, um, you know, being so competitive, right, and, and having such an influence on being successful and making it and accomplishing, you know, my goals that, um, you know, I often, or there have been times where I've definitely prioritized that over relationships, um, but the relationships are, are, are really important, Um and, you know, we do get so much of that from our parents, right? You know, um, when you talk about like your father being suspicious of other people, right? Even if that's not explicitly stated, um, you know, kids pick that up, right? Just by observing their parents. Daughters pick that up by observing their dads. 
Um, oh, and, and for me, it was even explicit. You know, he would say, don't do business with friends. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've had some great success doing business with friends, you know, and so it, it's um, understanding that relational aspect is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. So I think um, we have a question from the audience. Um, our virtual audience. <laughs> so um, the question is, um, you know, what skill or trait would be helpful today? Um, and I think um, perhaps um, maybe if we could get more information um, about that question, what skill or, or, okay, actually, I think I understand. So what skill or trait would be helpful for dads to give their daughters today or to encourage them um, today in today's sort of professional world and environment, right? Because, you know, things have really changed rapidly, not only in the last six months, right? Um, You know, since we've been living in a pandemic, but also just within the last five to 10 years, um, as we've seen, um, you know, more of an emphasis on tech and tech growing as an industry. Um, and also I think social justice has become more of a career focus. Um, and then, um, you know, I imagine too, the world of business has also very much changed. Um, Amy, you mentioned how, um, your work at, um, at a news, um, uh, company, right? How you could see the writing on the wall and then needed to make a shift. So, you know, just thinking about, um, the professional world today, what skills or traits would be helpful for dads to instill in their daughters? Networking. <laughs> Networking. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead, Verda. No, go ahead, Linda. Finish. I, I was just going to say, um, teach them how things work, you know, encourage a mechanical, analytical interest. Um, I think it's too easy to give up on that kind of stuff or girls aren't exposed to it um, unless a dad specifically goes out of their way. And I think that's so important in preserving their options. You know, that that's what creates an interest in a track in STEM, you know, seeing how things work. And I don't know if I was necessarily say a trait, but one thing I think when I think about my life growing up and what could have helped me, I think it's so important for dads to kind of give their daughters that inside view of how men think in every arena, whether it's business, relationships, and interpersonal thoughts of men. Because what I found in my life, not having that shared in a real way didn't help me as I navigated um, relationships, it didn't even really help me because when I was navigating the business world, I just assumed, you know, fairness, justice, you know, that people thought like that, but but we think differently. And because you all are men, you can share in a real way and you don't have to feel like it'll come back at you because this is your daughter. It's not like the woman in the board room. So you can be totally candid. If you will give your daughter that no matter what she goes into, she already knows the mindset because you've taught her how, okay, this kind of guy thinks this way, this guy thinks that way. Give her those secrets that only you all know because you're a man. Um, that would have been invaluable for me. Great point, Judge. 
I would say just the confidence and to believe in yourself and to continue learning. I think all of us here have talked about continuing to grow. We never stopped learning and um, that's going to that's going to keep you going. As Linda said, the, the interest and the, the want to know. And, and I'll piggyback on what Christy said. Um, flexibility and lifelong learning, especially through the pandemic. Um, I've seen people that are utterly frozen and miserable at home trying to work in a different way simply because they're not willing to just take take the handle of this new technology. And, you know, my phone is completely different. My home screen is completely different on my computer. And the company has seemed to have forgotten that, you know, if this department and that department and the other department are all changing their software, the end user that's got to use all three of those systems is constantly having to adapt everything they do. And you as that end user, you as that employee, You've got to stay flexible and willing to try to keep up with the, at least try to keep up with the changes because there's going to be another one tomorrow. And if you're not keeping up, you're just going to get snowed under. And so that flexibility and lifelong learning is just so important. Um, Both my CPA credential and my CFP credential have tons of continuing education required. Why? Because you've got to keep up. You've got to keep current. And it's that way with all the systems that you use at work. You've got to be flexible because the management above you is changing constantly. And you've got to learn, like Verda said, how they think, how they work. Um, So, yeah, flexibility and lifelong learning. We have um, fathers letting your letting your daughters know like how men think right in 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 multiple capacities at work in relationships in socializing that can give your daughter a real advantage lifelong learning right trying to understand how things work um so there are some there is some insight from our our wonderful panelists about what dads can do um, that would you know in terms of instilling traits that would be helpful for their daughters in today's professional world. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Are there any other questions from our audience? Are there any questions from our panelists? Anything that we didn't talk about that you know you'd like to? Um, something that a couple of other people said earlier that um, I agree with is have high expectations for your daughters and their careers teach them to have high expectations from the men in their life, especially those in romantic roles. Um, Don't pigeonhole your children, especially your daughters. I'm one of three girls. I have a sister a year older and a sister or a sister a year older and a sister a year younger. And my older sister is truly brilliant. And she was always told how smart she is. My younger sister's truly attractive. She was always told how pretty she was. And there I was sort of in the middle, wondering where I fit into that whole picture. So we've talked earlier about admiring your daughter's traits and expressing your admiration for your daughter's traits. Make sure they don't get just one message. Make sure they hear a lot of all of it. Thank you for that. That's that's wonderful um, advice. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, Linda, please. It looks like um, a question came up from the audience on chat. Yeah, what I see is that um, there's like lots of thank yous and words of appreciation for the insight that you all have shared. Um, and that they found, um, you know, um, uh, Berta, your story in particular moving. Um, and so that's, um, that's, that's the comments that I've, that I've seen that have come through and, and we're so glad that that's been the reception, um, of the panel. Yeah. So I think, um, in closing, um, you know, let's close with, um, you know, what you would like to say to your father today or your grandfather today. Um, and, you know, I, and, and I think, um, you know, it would be nice to um, maybe some words of appreciation um, or other sentiment. Um, and, and also that can be free. I don't need to put parameters on that. So <laughs> what you would like to say to your father today. Um, and I'll start before I start crying when everybody else goes. Um, and thank you for letting me do this because I hadn't done this since my father passed. Um, I'd like to thank my father for loving me as to the extent that he could with all that he suffered with silently by himself. Um, and I'd like to say, I appreciate him for making me um, the young woman or that I used to be or the older woman that I am today. Um, and that I, I would not be who I am if it was not for him being in my life. And in his imperfections, he was the perfect dad for me. Thank you. I appreciate that, everyone. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Verda. Thank you so much for sharing. Great. Thank you. Christy, would you like to go next? Sure, after I clear my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a big thank you and, and hope that I'm still making him proud by passing on what he taught me to my family. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's so important, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Christy. Okay. Linda, how about you? Um, God doesn't make mistakes. Dad, you are exactly the right dad for me. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay. And Amy, as Verda said, and I still think we've got parallel lives somewhere along there. Um, my dad was the best dad for me. He was my buddy. He was uh, almost my business partner, except that he died before he realized the dream of us going into business together. Um, I miss him every day. And um, he just taught me uh, so much about enjoying life while, you've st while you're here on earth. And um, I just, um, I know I'm, successful because of his messages and the time that he invested in me and with me. Very sweet. Thank you. Okay, ladies. Well, thank you so much. This has been, you know, wonderful with very rich insights. And I really appreciate you all um, sharing your stories and in doing so, so openly. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. 
And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals we buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best Dad, you can be. Be the best dad you can be.